This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. is he was transparent about his struggles. Here's the here's the, the great Paul the Apostle. He raised people from the dead. He did unusual miracles. Handkerchiefs that, t- he was so anointed. Handkerchiefs that touched his body. They were sent to people and they got healed and delivered. I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to pray over a bunch of handkerchiefs and send them to all the demonized people in the church. They'll come back free. Our deliverance team will be so happy. We got a backlog as long as Texas right now. People need deliverance. Many years ago, you know, I was, um, I was in a situation where it, well, it wasn't a good situation. I was in my 20s, and I was living with my fiance. I wasn't saved, and I was in a deep, deep depression, and he came home one day from work. He was a photographer, a pretty, pretty uh, well-known photographer, and he came home one day, and he was just mad, madder than hell. He was mad, and he began to argue with me and pick a fight with me, and I'm laying down in the bed. I'm depressed. I don't want to deal with you, and he's on and on and on. He pick a fight with me, and I I came out there. I'm like, what is your issue? He's screaming and raging at me. And I, I began to get scared because like I, he had never acted that way before. Like, and we'd been together for five, six years. I don't know what's going on with you, but I said, I'm, 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 I'm going in the room when you calm down, I'll come back. And he threw a bowl at me and it didn't hit me. It hit the wall. And when he said that, I looked back and I said, if you don't calm down, I'm calling the police. Like, I don't know what kind of demon you got, but I'm not going to be the victim of it. Amen. I wasn't even saved. So I ran in there. He starts trying to beat the door down. And I'm like, you've got to be cast. I said, stop or I'm going to call the police. And he kept on. And I called 911. And the, and the police were on the way. And then he busted through the door. And he starts trying to grab me. And I'm doing all this. And I scratched him. Not on purpose. But just because, you know, I'm trying to get, get your hands off me, man. What's up with you? Get your hands off me. And, he's, and so they came. And he said, well, she assaulted me. See the blood? See the scratches? And so they took us both to jail. And fast forward, fast forward, fast forward a lot of years. And when I was in the jail, they, they came through with the Bill Glass champions and I got saved in the jail. Amen. Praise God. And they said, you got three wards you can go into. You can either go into the GED ward. Well, I don't need to do that because I was in college. Amen. Uh, you could go into the life skill ward, learn how to clean. I said, I don't want to do that. Or you could go... <laughs> Hey, and you, and you could go into the Christian ward. And I said, let me go there. And they had ministers who came in three times a day. It was like intense Bible school, man. Three times a day, they would come in morning, noon, and night to minister to us. And we studied and we learned. And, and they had this big whiteboard. And, they, and every day, somebody got to write a new scripture on the whiteboard. I didn't know a whole lot of scripture at the time. I was just new. But I mean, I'm just newly minted, right? Newly born again. But I love the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It was the first scripture that I memorized. And it says, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. He's a new creation. She's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? And I I wrote that up there, and I was so happy. Here's the thing. When I got born again, when you got born again, we became new creatures here. But the outside still looked the same. 
Amen? When I first got saved, I still had a lot of wrong thinking. I had a lot of bad habits. I was a new creature here, but I wasn't walking in the Spirit. Why? Because I just didn't have any experience with the Spirit. See, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit brought his gifts. He brought his fruit. He brought everything he has and everything he beholds. He brought everything we need to be partakers of the divine nature. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But we have to learn how to yield to the Spirit instead of yielding to the flesh. Amen. And so do you. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to you as the seal of promise to seal your salvation so that you could have a choice. You no longer have to walk in the flesh. You don't have to. If we walk in the flesh, we do it because we want to, not because we have to. The people who don't know the Lord, they're walking in the flesh because they can't do anything else but walk in the flesh. Because they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. They don't have the Spirit of God. And we have to begin to understand that we have a choice. Tell your neighbor, you have a choice. You've got a choice. God says in Romans 8 verse 2, because you belong to him. (laughs) Because you belong to him. That means if you don't belong to him, this doesn't apply to you. Because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That means you are free not to sin. Amen. We get to choose if we're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of the flesh. It is always your choice. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you so much. And we choose you today because you are the better part, God. We don't want to walk by the dictates of the flesh. So teach us, inspire us, deliver us today as we hear the word. Let the truth of the word set us free in Jesus' name. And everybody say, said amen and amen see there's two types of men and women we see in the scripture those who were controlled by the flesh and those who were controlled by the spirit then there's the third kind the kind like us those who are sometimes controlled by the flesh and sometimes controlled by the spirit right right I mean Paul was controlled by the flesh before he knew the spirit right? He was going around persecuting Christians. David, think about David. He was a man after God's own heart, but he took his eyes off Jesus and put his eyes on Bathsheba. And before he knew it, he became a man after the flesh and he brought problems into his family line. Samson, think of Samson. He was a mighty man. He was strong. He was a Nazarite. He was set apart from God. He was a man of the spirit, but suddenly Delilah got the the best of them. His flesh got the best of them. And what happened? He ended up put, run, walking into circles, pushing a millstone with his eyes gorged out. We have to understand there are consequences to walking in the flesh. Sometimes somebody say there's consequences. Moses did miracles, but one fit of anger kept him out of the promised land. We all make mistakes. The goal is not to be perfect. We will never be perfect as long as we walk in in this flesh because we still have a carnal nature. We can't do anything about that. We can crucify our flesh. We can choose to die daily, but we can't get rid of this rotten, stinking flesh until Jesus comes back. Amen. Then we're going to look like him. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Paul was carnal, 
but he learned how to live in the spirit. I love this about Paul. I love what I love about Paul is he was transparent about his struggles. Here's the, here's the, the great Paul, the apostle. He raised people from the dead. He did unusual miracles, handkerchiefs that t- he was so anointed, handkerchiefs that touched his body. They were sent to people and they got healed and delivered. I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to pray over a bunch of handkerchiefs and send them to all the demonized people in the church. They'll come back free. Our deliverance team will be so happy. We got a backlog as long as Texas right now. People need deliverance. Wouldn't it be easier just to let, come on. Here's Paul. And Paul said, here, he was so transparent. He was so real. He said, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing them. And the things I don't want to do, I can't stop doing. He said, oh God, who will deliver me from this body of flesh? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. He will. And Paul was consistent and persistent in walking in the spirit. This is a man of God. Oh my God, that he learned to buffet his body. He says in scripture, I buffet my body. Some Christians think that means I buffet my body. Because right up after church, I see some of y'all in the spirit. You're over at, 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 at whatever, wherever y'all eat, the, the Chinese buffet, the golden corral. Amen. The big toasty buns. Amen. The sushi bar. I don't know. I see some. Paul said, I buffet my body. You know what that means? It's a violent term. Listen, he said, it means I strike a blow to my body. He let his flesh know who was boss. Here's the thing. You got to let your flesh know who's boss because your flesh wants to dictate how the spirit moves in your life. Your flesh wants to dictate your next harvest. Your flesh wants to dictate everything in your life. And you have to say, no, I buffet my body. Paul said, I buffet it. I deal with a strong blow. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete. Listen, I work out most weeks, five times a week. And lately I've not felt like doing it. My flesh said, "Uh uh-uh. And my spirit was like, you're going to work out. You need to live to your 120. And my spirit, my flesh is like, "Uh uh-uh. You know what I had to do? I began to get real lazy about it. So I'd work out, and I'd be like, (laughs) just laissez-faire, you know, just taking it easy. And about a week and a half ago, I felt the Holy Ghost say, you need to crank it up. You need to discipline your body. You need to get with it. Man, oh man, I was so sore after the third day, I could barely walk. Amen. I I put my flesh under. I buffeted my body. I let it know who was in charge. Amen. I refuse to be led by the flesh. I will be led by the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I buffet my body. Paul said, I subdue my body. I batter my body. I bruise my body. I drive my body. I beat my body. He said, I hit hard and straight at my body. Paul was hardcore, man. He was hardcore after the spirit. That is why God used him to write more of the New Testament than any other single writer. It wasn't because he was special. It was because he was disciplined. Yes, he was special, but he was disciplined. He put his flesh under We all have a choice every day to sow to the flesh or to the spirit. Tell your neighbor, it's your choice. It's your choice. Listen, I don't want to hear it. Oh, the devil made me. The devil did not make you do it. The devil made me do it. The devil did not make you do it. Stop giving him the glory. Amen. Galatians 6 verse 8 Galatians 6 verse 8, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. 
The NLT says, those who live to only satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. That's why some people get cancer and die at 35. Why? Because they didn't, they didn't buffet their body. They buffeted their body. Amen? They didn't take care of themselves, right? They didn't deal with the issues in their lives they needed to deal with. They kept sitting. It was secret. They thought nobody knew. But the devil saw it and so did God. And the wages of sin is what? He said, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Here's the thing. Here's the contrast here. I want you to understand this. Paul said this, there's no good thing in my flesh. He knew that. He understood that. There's no good thing in my flesh. By contrast, Jesus said, Satan has nothing in me. Wouldn't it be nice if we could die daily and Satan had nothing in us that day? I know we have a carnal nature. I understand we're always going to have hooks. I get it. But what if we were to walk so led and driven and compelled by the Holy Ghost that the devil had just no legal right? He couldn't find a way in. He'd come knocking on the door and you're like, ah, this place is filled with the Holy Ghost. My temple is filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have any room for you here, devil. I don't have any time to listen to your voice because I'm up in the glory. I'm listening to Jesus. I'm getting strategies for increase. I'm getting, what if we just were led by the Spirit to that degree? Tell your neighbor it's possible. It's possible. How bad do you want it? How hungry are you? I'm hungry. I'm desperate. I'm thirsty. I don't want to live like I lived yesterday. I, were, I, I want to grow every single day. Go higher and higher and higher. Amen. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. See, carnal Christianity, guys, is dangerous. I know this isn't a popular message, but you are mature believers. You're not babies. I don't need to change your diapers. You want to know the truth, yes or no? Yes. There's so many carnal Christians. Today. Billy Graham said this. How many of you respect Billy Graham? He's respectful. He said this, carnal Christians are people who continually grieve the Holy Spirit by their temper, touchiness, irritability, prayerlessness, or love of self. He said these are the signs of carnality, a spiritual babyhood. These people are living a worldly life. We've got to take this seriously. Eternity is a long time. You're going to get in. I'm not worried about you getting to heaven. But so you're going to look around at some people and be like, how come you got the mansion and I got the little, little hole in the wall? <laughs> because we get eternal rewards. We don't, we're not saved by works, but God does reward us. And we can't fulfill our highest calling in carnality. God will still use you. And if you've been walking in carnality, you can change your mind right now in Jesus' name. And God can help you make up for lost time. And you can go back and collect all those rewards you missed when you were carnal. That's how good he is. Amen. So don't let the devil condemn you. Because God redeems the time. God takes what the enemy meant for harm and turns it into good. But at some point, we've got to make a decision for Jesus. Not just at salvation, but every day. Not just when we said yes, so we didn't have to go to hell. But every day, so we can live His our best life in the earth and draw people to him. Amen. Here's the thing. Carnal Christianity is dangerous. 
is dangerous because it glorifies the flesh. 1 Corinthians 1.29 says, No flesh shall glory in his presence. No flesh. Remember when Herod, the king in the New Testament, continued to allow the people to give him praises, and they were saying, he was giving a speech, and they are saying, It's the voice of God, not the voice of man. And Herod was like, lavish. he was like, oh, yes, yes, look how great I am. And all of a sudden, worms ate him and he died. Aren't you glad we don't live in those days? Are you living in the Spirit? Living in the Spirit is more than moving in signs, wonders, and miracles. Living in the Spirit is being empowered by the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is receiving guidance from the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is keeping in step with the Spirit and so much more. So how do you live in the Spirit? In my new series, I'll teach you how to live a life that attracts the presence of God, positions you for promotion, brings breakthrough blessings, and so much more. Check out my new series, Living in the Spirit, at schoolofthespirit.tv. Watch online at schoolofthespirit.tv slash living. Hey guys, did you know I'm in South Florida at Awakening House of Prayer every Sunday, preaching, praying, prophesying, and casting out devils. Our heart is to equip you to live a supernatural breakthrough lifestyle. You'll discover that Christ is exalted and the Holy Spirit moves in every single service. Now you've got two different opportunities to encounter God and his word through prophetic worship and relevant messages every week. Give me a year of your life, apply the word that I teach and watch what God does. Two services, 1047 a.m., that's a practical teaching with a prophetic edge. 1.30 p.m., that is School of the Spirit at Ahop, or going into the deep things of God. Most weeks, we've got a 4 p.m., straight up teaching, no worship on that 4 p.m. service, but we're going deep, equipping our community for works of service. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophesying, casting out devils. Listen, we're looking to raise up an army in our region. And if you're not in the region, jump on over to ahop.online. You'll find our morning service streaming over there. Become a web church member, go deeper, ahop.online slash web church. We'll see you there. We don't need nobody to tickle our ears and ho, 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 and all that. Uh -uh. We just need the glory, amen? But when we stay in the flesh, He's not getting the glory. He said, no flesh shall glory in your presence. Carnal Christianity breeds jealousy, which breeds strife instead of the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. For you are still controlled by, for, for you are still controlled. This is the church of Corinth. They were fleshly. They were, they were moving in the gifts, but they were fleshly. Incest, adultery, all kind of stuff going on in the church. Huh. For you are still, are you still controlled by your sinful nature? You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Carnal Christianity warps our mind to the world's ways. See, the more you expose, let me just read you the script. Well, I mean, it warps our mind to the world's ways. Most of what we watch on TV, we've got no business watching. I'm talking about Christians in general. I'm sure none of you ever watch anything but hallelujah songs. I, I, 
The problem is we set out to watch something decent. You know what, you know what I was watching last night? Y'all going to laugh at me. I was watching the Waltons. Remember the Waltons? With John Boy and Jim Bob. And, why? Because I like to, everyone, I like to rest. And, and I'll think about ministry and God and the work of the Lord 24-7 if I don't purposely detach. And I've been watching the Donna Reed show, and I'm done with that. And now I, I said, look at this Waltons. And I remember watching that when I was a kid. I remember, and I was like, look at that. And I'm watching it. And, because why? Because that's wholesome. But look at what's happened to media and entertainment since the 1960s and the 1970s. It's wicked. It's nasty. It's perverted. Right? And so the scripture says, be that, don't be transformed by the world, but be transformed by the total renewing of your mind. And as long as we're putting our eyes on worthless things, see, David said, I will not put my eyes on any worthless thing. I think he said that after Bathsheba. <laughs> he should have had that. That's what he learned. <laughs> you know, he learned the hard way. Amen. But we have to keep our eyes off these things. You know, sometimes I'll watch shows that, that even, there's some stuff on Netflix, and for the most part, it's good. But every once in a while, I'll tell you the story. One time I was at, we were flying from flying to Asia. Now, when you're flying to Asia, that's 27, 36 hours, depending on how, what flight you take and what the, what the, what the, where you're going in Asia. That's a long time, right? And so I'm looking for something on the, the movie thing to, to watch. And, and then, like, it's all trash, in, except the cartoons. Now even the cartoons are all fil- infiltrated. They got phallic symbols and all kind of uh, innuendo comments that mean something to the parents and the, the kids don't know what it means and the kids go repeat it at school and then they get in trouble because the teacher knows what it means. I mean, there's something wrong with it. There's something really wrong with it. And so, but I remember, I'm like, I can't find anything. And so I'm just trying, I'm just going to lay back and pray in the Holy Ghost. Until I fall asleep. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And, I, and they started bringing food. And I looked and I could see right in between the two seats. Somebody was watching. It was full-blown pornography on an airplane. If it wasn't, then I guess that's what they put on regular TV now. I don't know because I don't watch regular TV. I'm like, yeah. And I saw it for a second and my, my eyes, I, I thought they were going to pop out of my head. I was going to have to wash them and put them back in. <laughs> Never have I ever seen anything like that in an airplane. And I took my little pillow and I said, I need this pillow to sleep, but I need this pillow to block this smut. And I stuck it right in between the two seats so I didn't have to accidentally see that. That's the, that's how you might say, well, you're being religious. I don't think so. Well, you got a religious spirit. Mm, I, th- I think I got the spirit of God because I'm pretty sure that grieves him. Amen. Now, that's an extreme example. But here's the point. The world wants to conform us into its image. Oh, God. Just keep saying that. I want to read your scripture. Just keep crying out. Oh, God. There's a scripture in Psalm 149, verse 6. God, Jesus, 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 oh. and it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands. See, there's a difference between worship and praise, 
And there's a difference between praise and high praise. And the Lord showed me that while you were crying out in worship, while you were lifting the high praise, it served like a sword that was cutting the enemy's plans to shreds. Every time you said the name of Jesus, the enemy bowed before the Christ in you. Every time you lifted up your voice in high praise, it sent confusion into the enemy's camp. Every time you cried out in desperation, God activated angel armies to fight on your behalf. Oh, God. So let's just stay in that vein one more time. Cry out. Come on. How desperate are you for the miracle? How desperate are you for the breakthrough? He inhabits the praises of his people. And they were in the upper room. And they were all on one accord. And suddenly, 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 a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the place. And something that looked like clothes and tongues of fire rested upon each one. Jesus. If you're desperate, run up to this altar right now. If you're desperate for Jesus, run, run, run. Just surrender to him the trouble, the problems, the fears, the tears. Dedicate your heart back to him again. He's healing you even now. He's delivering you from all your fears. He's opening your eyes to things you've never seen. At Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, our heart is to sow into the lives of people who may never otherwise hear the gospel of Christ or break out of bondage. Although we've traveled to dozens of nations in strategic missions to evangelize and equip believers, there's more work to do than we can possibly get done by ourselves. That's why JLM is partnering with ministries around the world to help them do what they do best. We're partnering with ministries in India that are transforming the lives of people with leprosy. Ministries in Africa that are bringing clean water to the masses. Global ministries taking the hope of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Messiah-centered ministries in Israel that are doing the work of Christ in the Middle East. 
ministries that provide a hand of hope to hurting people in America's inner cities and the nations. When you sow into JLM, you are sowing into the work of God in the nations. Together, we're better. Will you partner with us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to feed hungry people, to bring hope to the addicted, and more? You can sow a seed today at jenniferleclair.org slash missions. Thank you for your partnership. In 2007, the Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night and told me he would bring a third great awakening to the nation. I believe we're going to see the greatest great awakening in the history of the world and it will spill over into the nations of the earth for the glory of God. I believe we'll see a movement greater than all previous moves of God put together. And I know it's predicated on prayer. The Awakening Prayer Hub's mission in any city is to draw a diverse group of intercessors who have one thing in common, to contend for the Lord's will in its city, state, and nation. Bishop Bill Hammond, Lou Engel, Cindy Jacobs, Mike Bickle, James Gall, Alveda King, and many others are standing with us. Will you start a hub or find a hub in your city at awakeningprayerhubs.com?